You're listening to episode 41 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. learned with the animals around awareness, around, around self-awareness, but also expanding this idea of awareness are mm-hmm. these four channels of awareness and they are in them unless they're not. If mm-hmm. they're, they're in those awareness channels while they're, if we think just about horses, while they're grazing and foraging and moving. Mm-hmm. And when they're stopped and resting, it's not everyone that's stopped and resting. They're sharing awareness because it's impossible to be in awareness all the time. And it's absolutely okay for us to decide we need a break from awareness. But when we're showing up and doing things with others, we're committing to awareness. Mm -hmm. And I think this is confusing to our horses because a lot of times we're not. (laughs) We're showing up, but we're not in awareness. We're focused on them. Oh, and welcome to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I have a little story to tell you that I'm hoping will restore your faith in the universe and its ability to support you in what you want in life because I just find this absolutely fascinating. I was going through all of my photos on my phone because, of course, I was running out of space per usual. And I came across a screenshot that I had taken almost a year ago. It was actually December the 5th, 2019. It was 6.21 in the morning. And I took a screenshot of a woman's Instagram page that must have just stood out to me that I thought maybe I should reach out to. Now, a lot of the times when I do things first thing in the morning and I'm not actually up, I'm just kind of laying in bed, it happens and then I forget about it because I either fall back asleep or I start on with my day and I just kind of, you know, release it from my to-do list. I screenshotted this lady's profile And then it wasn't until I think it was probably two months ago now that I finally reached out to this person and it was based on a whole other experience where they had come up. So very interesting. I had, you know, come across them and thought they were someone I should connect with and then, you know, completely forgot about her or or my intentions to connect with her and then through other sources she was brought to me again and I did finally reach out and that is how this interview came about and I'm even more excited to share with you that this is just the start 
of my work with this lovely individual that I have the privilege of interviewing on today's podcast. And I can't wait to share with you what we have in store for you together. And as it takes more of a, of a form, then I will definitely be sharing more details with you. So stay tuned for some really exciting things happening here with both myself and my interviewee, Beth Killo. Now, if you have not heard of Beth, I am so thrilled to be the one to bring her name to your ears for the first time because she is someone that you're going to want to follow. Her work is phenomenal. She is the head cowgirl and owner of the Circle Up Experience. She's a lifelong cowgirl, writer, professor, and licensed psychotherapist. Beth has 20 years of experience working with people to awaken their innate leadership gifts so they can live and work with more authentic relationship and connection. Beth is a seeker and a truth teller who brings heart and humor into her work. She is gifted at finding the one question that needs to be asked and using her cowgirl courage courage to ask it. Beth owns Take a Chance Ranch in Morgan Hill, California, where Circle Up hosts workshops. The ranch also hosts women's events, recovery groups, weekly meditations, horsemanship events, and art programs. Beth and her family live on the ranch with their ever-growing family of animals who support her work. And I encourage you to find Beth on social media. She is on Instagram at the Circle Up Experience. And there you can actually follow Beth because she just brought home her Mustang and the lessons that she will be learning from this animal are phenomenal. I'm absolutely honored to be speaking with Beth in this interview and it is one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far and I feel like I say that every time but it they all these conversations are both amazing and important to me and this one is absolutely one for the books and my favorite part is that Beth and I dive deep into the piece of awareness, which has been a topic of interest of mine for quite some time, but definitely a topic I've been diving deeper into here on the Take the Reins podcast. So I hope that this interview resonates well with you. And if it does, make sure you reach out to me and let me know what you think of it. And really, the way that you can help support the Take the Reins podcast is just anytime you hear something that resonates with you, that you feel like you've gained at least one thing from I'd really appreciate you just sharing it with a friend, even just through conversation. This doesn't even have to happen over social media. But when you share about the Take the Reins podcast with your friends and family, you help it sustain life. So I greatly appreciate it. And I sincerely hope that this interview helps you as a horse owner and a person to grow and become more aware, here's my interview with the one and only Beth Killo. Hello, Beth Killo. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I cannot thank you enough for joining me. So Beth, I would love for you to just share with me and my listeners a little bit about yourself as well as the Circle Up experience that we have spoken about, uh, the business that you're the founder and owner of. And again, thank you so much for being here today. 
Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure and honor uh, for me as well. So where do I begin? I am a human animal. Um, I'm in California and I'm a lifelong animal person. Horses and dogs have been my teachers since I can remember. I'm also um, a mom and um, I'm thinking of the things of my identity that start mm -hmm. to weave together, like the fabric of who I am and what I have to offer. So mm -hmm. these different perspectives are all pieces of, you know, parts of me. I'm a poet and my first career was actually in teaching poetry at university. Oh. And um, from there, I, I realized I was doing a lot of informal therapy with my students who are pouring their hearts out on paper. Mm. And so I went and got a clinical psychology degree and became a therapist. And I practiced real traditionally, you know, in an office for over a decade. And, um, and all the while, you know, I've had this parallel path with my animals and I've sought out teachers, experiences, trainers, who, who, who help with the, um, like the tactical things we do with our animals. Right. Mm -hmm. that, and for me, I've been, um, working with border collies and sheep herding since I was 20. And so that was a main focus for me. Um, and then all the different equestrian sports that I could get my hands on. Um, but I've always found, looked for teachers who, who were willing to explore the human element, mm and what we bring as mm -hmm. partners in those relationships. And so I've had the privilege of working with amazing teachers. And, and when I have found those who will really dive in with me, those have been the teachers I've held on to. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and as I continue doing that process and then doing my professional work, they slowly, they converged. And I realized that I didn't wanna work helping people, helping the human animals without the other animals to assist. And so I started doing that work here at my ranch about seven years ago. And I did start seeking out different equine assisted learning trainings. And I've been, you know, going to those and learning about that, those models um, for a long time, but I, I have found there have been some missing elements. And mm -hmm. so I started adding different pieces of my own along the way. But that's been my journey. And now I really prefer to work in an inner species classroom, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. And, and to do that experiential learning, sometimes it's psychotherapy. So I still do that work. I'm a trained mm -hmm. trauma therapist and, but I do a lot of work with groups and trying to help people understand how to stabilize their own leadership so that they can be better partners in their work lives or in their home lives and that they can also build healthier herds mm. with each other. And so I work with a lot of corporations and do big like culture building experiments, mm -hmm. I would like to say they are, <laughs> um, where they really get to create the culture of their own herd. You know, we know as horse people, every herd has its own tone mm. and feel. They're not all the mm -hmm. same. And um, no. depending on the values and of those herds, there are some basic elements though that, mm -hmm. that 
make sense to, to um, groups of mammals. So that's, that's the premise of my work now. And I've really gotten more and more committed to all of the work, starting with the animals first and foremost, so that we can tap into this element of what I call our natural leadership as humans, where we have so much more information about how to take care of ourselves and mm-hmm. how to interact. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I love you. everything about it. <laughs> so there's a couple things that come up that I would love for you just to go into a little more depth. And the first thing that comes up for me is, I guess there'll be two things that I would love for you to kind of dive into. First, the human element. I think that is beautiful because so often when people work with their horses, we are a part of the relationship, but oftentimes what happens with the horses becomes a horse issue. We only think of the horse element. And so I kind of use the idea of sending a horse off to training where this is what's happening with my horse. I'm going to find this trainer that I really enjoy. And I'm not knocking sending your horse to a trainer because we had horses sent to us, but you know, we have that idea that the horse will go away and then it'll come home and the relationship will have changed and the dynamics will have changed. And then, but the, the piece that was missing was the human element to the relationship. So while that horse was often for training, what was the human doing in order to really <laughs> facilitate that change? And we need to be concentrating on our training just as much as sending those horses off. So I don't know if that's where you go with the human element, um, but that's exactly what came into my mind as you even just mm-hmm. spoke the words. I was like, oh gosh, it's so good. <laughs> so the human element, if you want to speak more about that. And then the other part is the human animal. And mm. that is not a phrase that we hear often. So I know that it'll kind of perk the ears of some people and some listeners and go like, what is she talking about the human element or animal? Why is she referring to herself as an animal? Or why would she be referring to business corporations and groupings of people as a herd. How does that work? So that gives you probably 45 minutes to speak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to try not to go too long because I love, I'm in getting to know you. It's been so lovely to just to generate the conversation mm-hmm. together. So I'll try mm-hmm. not to go off no too, problem. Far, At all. too far off the cliff, but yeah, you, I love that you picked up on those two pieces mm-hmm. because those are, I think they probably are unique to my work and they mm-hmm. definitely catch attention. And so if you think about what you brought up around our focus on the horse and you just think about your own life as a human, when things are when something is happening where there's tension or pressure or something's not going well, we're very quick as humans to look to others for the source of the problem, (laughs) not just our, our horses, but just in general, the whole idea of self-reflection and ownership of our part of what's happening is um, we have a, like a, a quick, instinct to guard ourselves and look for what's happening outside of me that I need to change. Now I'm going to interrupt for a second because do you feel like, and this is just something that popped up for me is this almost goes one extreme or the other with this. You're either like all 
blame and, and, oh, wow, this is what's happening. Or you throw yourself completely under the bus and you're like, oh, it's all my fault. And, you know, I never listen. And, and it becomes a story right. around shame and, and blaming yourself the same way that, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think there's a gender piece here. And I think that females are more likely to take on that first, that mm-hmm. self-blame piece. Mm-hmm. And over, and I think just to step back for a minute, the the human element piece and the human animal piece, just to untangle that for a moment, we first and foremost are mammals, just like our horses, mm-hmm. and um, and we're we are herd animals, mm-hmm. and and if you look at where we are on the food chain, regardless of what we decide to eat now, and as a modern day human, we're omnivorous mammals. And so we have to start thinking about ourselves and orienting ourselves around what that means and how our instincts and our hardwiring, which are ancient and still fully intact, are informing what's happening inside of us at any given moment and how we're interacting, even if we think we're interacting differently. Mm-hmm. The human brain, because of how it's evolved, has a glitch. We have this mind which is different than the brain. The brain is the organ. The mind is the phenomenon of the organ. And Dan Siegel, who's an amazing neuroscientist that I got to study with along the way, he talks about this a lot in his work. And he's, he's, I mean, I'm going to just butcher it right now, but I'm going to try and then hopefully point people to the right direction to dig deep. He is, his work is dense and really rich, but what he talks about around the mind is that it interferes and interrupts the functions of the brain. So we can, this human element and this human animal, our brain is doing and our body is doing what it does on an instinct level all the time. But our mind can create thoughts that interrupt what our body and our brain are trying to tell us. The reason we love being with our horses is because I believe mm-hmm. they actually ask us to integrate those. We don't have to give up one or the other, and it actually helps us feel more alive. Mm-hmm. And the reason I start all my work with people, whether they're horse people or not, is to wake that animal up so we can use its information. Mm-hmm. And so the human element is not just our thoughts. It's our entire human mammal experience. And it exists in the body and instincts in our nervous system, our thoughts, our emotions, our stories, and what we're doing with our body. Mm -hmm. And it is like our instrument. And our job in being more self-aware is just tuning that instrument so that we're picking up those signals as accurately as possible if you watch your horses and you look at their ability to move away from pressure and then stop moving away from pressure, they are so precise about where that pressure begins and ends Mm -hmm. because they're trying to conserve energy and so, and protect themselves and stay together. Like they have these core survival mechanisms. We have those, Mm -hmm. but our mind our thinking brain that judges and blames and it interferes and that's the glitch. And we're used to believing it. Mm-hmm. What that does is just, it throws us off the rails. It's not that the mind doesn't do amazing things. I'm, and this is the funniest thing about my work because I'm a poet and I have, I, I, 
I could probably be in graduate school the rest of my life, just learning or in mm -hmm. programs or like mm -hmm. I devour information and learning. And I always have like a really good brownie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like cookies, like just give me more. But that part of me was actually, it was robbing me mm -hmm. of a more alive experience. And it was absolutely a place that I went to run away from a part of myself that didn't know how to cope with the world. Mm -hmm. So there are that I, I think I've, I've covered the human animal piece and this human element piece is about really learning more about ourselves as the human animal mm -hmm. so that we can actually use that and be grounded in it and use the information that our animal is giving us, mm -hmm. our human animal is giving us so that we can show up in all our relationships human animal relationships, other animal relationships as a stable partner, mm -hmm. as a stable, sometimes a leader, sometimes we're leading, sometimes we're not, mm -hmm. but we've got it. If we don't have access to that, it's like driving without headlights. That's, mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I felt really in life was mm -hmm. a lot of the human practices and lifestyles, things we do, it dims yeah. that mammal. Yeah. And a lot, I think it's because if we don't know how to take care of that sensitivity, it is so overwhelming. So yeah. we, we learn all these things to make it go dim mm -hmm. because when we wake it up, it's like, Oh my God, I'm feeling everything. Yeah. So there's a reason why we dim it mm -hmm. but without it. It's like, we are miss we're we're driving without headlights. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a lot to that. <laughs> there really is so I mean, good. Is, yeah. And, and I talk about just cause you woke up to that statement of the human animal yeah. and the reason like I use it, um, the, that language to wake us up out of a bit mm -hmm. of a, a slumber, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you're a mammal. Let's just start there. Mm -hmm. Let's just start with being mammals and yeah. stop suppressing that and yeah. use it. Yeah. And it, there's, you know, whether it becomes a societal thing that we've really separated ourselves from any other mammal on earth, right? So we are the superior race and we do the things and we have a thinking brain. And, and you know, when we react or respond based on instinct, that's a sign of weakness versus a sign of control or power or whatever that might be. So yes. as you're speaking, I kept having, you know, societal, societal norms popping up in my head. And the fact that in years past, we wouldn't have, we would have to rely on those instincts to survive. And right. gradually we, with the you know, the development of society and, and technology and, you know, uh, gender norms and all of those things. It's amazing what we have done to each other by just expressing what we think is right or wrong, what we should hide, what we should, what we consider weak versus strong. You know, um, it's amazing, especially when you look within the gender roles, which I, you know, it's amazing right now in our world, those are really being questioned and, mm -hmm. and reassessed, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Having yeah, a daughter, I mean, it's amazing. Right. We discovered <laughs> right. we have daughters around the same age and, um, yeah. and I mentioned being a mom and being a mom of a daughter and, you know, all mammal groups, are matriarchal. 
Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a moment. <laughs> so um, the culture of the mammal group is matriarchal. It doesn't mean that that males and females don't have necessary, necessary relevant roles to play, but the culture of the creating the relationships and how those relationships operate are matriarchal. So I call my little herd Meredith <laughs> because it's like this amazing classroom for me in healthy culture and mm-hmm. interdependence. And I just went to a bridal horse workshop okay. like three weeks ago with um, Bruce Sandifer and Jeff Derby who, and they're amazing teachers and I can't wait to ride with them again. And we had some really incredible conversation about the difference between dominant based training or horsemanship styles and then the styles of, of training that are more based on indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why the Vaquero tradition is so interesting is that it really, if you, you know, when we're talking about, we're really diving in here, aren't we, Nikki? <laughs> but when we're talking about like, how did we get to this idea of like instincts are less than, mm-hmm. and I've really been looking at like, where in history did that happen? And I think it's around like colonialization yeah. where we started yeah. because indigenous cultures that are much more closely related to land and to the animals knew how to partner with them mm-hmm. versus dominate them. Yeah. And so we had a lot of conversation about that at the workshop. We also did a ton of riding and gathering cows and it was amazing, but to add this element of being able to look at, you know, am I coming to this relationship or whatever I'm doing with my horse or myself or each other from a joining, how can we work together? How can we support each other versus I am going to dominate parts that I don't understand Mm -hmm. or that scare me or that, um, that challenge me Mm -hmm. to have to grow like that's and that's essentially um I think what happened with a lot of if you look around the world with colonialism Mm -hmm. so and a lot of our training practices are based on colonial cultures versus indigenous ones yeah absolutely okay so I'm going to bring it back for a second good Um, idea (laughs) I love the conversation But I want to bring it back for a second to when we're thinking about that human element and thinking about our instincts, when I think of people working with their horses and we're we're speaking about the mind versus the brain, oftentimes you will hear people, and this is, this is, you know, what we're taught is the natural learning curve, right? So you, you're in your, when you're really having to think about it. And then, you know, when you develop feel with an animal is when you're no longer thinking it, you're feeling it and doing it. But I feel like in our work with our horses, we can actually begin to trust ourselves sooner and rely don't, I don't want to discredit education because I believe in getting regular lessons and going to clinics and learning all that you can from everyone. But I believe at some point we should be taught sooner Uh when to trust our natural understanding of what to do in specific situations with our Uh horse. Uh So rather than saying mechanically, what do I need to do here? I like to try to say to someone, what does it feel like you need to do? So rather than being in your head and in your mind and feeling like you need to think your way through this situation, if you tap into what instinctually 
feels right? What, you know, what are you being told? Oh, I love that so much. I think so the, the, in what I've learned with the animals around awareness, around, around self-awareness, but also expanding this idea of awareness are mm-hmm. these four channels of awareness and they are in them unless they're not. If mm-hmm. they're, they're in those awareness channels while they're, if we think just about horses, while they're grazing and foraging and moving. Mm-hmm. And when they're stopped and resting, it's not everyone that's stopped and resting. They're sharing awareness because it's impossible to be in awareness all the time. And it's absolutely okay for us to decide we need a break from awareness. But when we're showing up and doing things with others, we're committing to awareness. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is confusing to our horses because a lot of times we're not. <laughs> yeah. We're showing up, but we're not in awareness. We're focused on them. Mm -hmm. which is one of the channels of awareness, but it's not the whole picture. So -hmm. what they're expecting of us because of what they do with each other and actually what we are programmed to be able to do. And this is the piece that we really can work on all the time Mm -hmm. and get to a point of unconscious competency, which I think is what Mm -hmm. you're referring to. That's exactly. You don't have to think about it and you just do it. And it's part naturally part of you. Yes. This is absolutely something we can achieve more easily than you think with practice. Mm -hmm. These four channels are, they're all based around a question that one of my beloved teachers taught me, which is what's happening right now. That's the main question. The four channels are what's happening inside of me, what's happening with you. So that's like, first is our self-reflection, not just our mind, The second one is our empathy system. The third one is what's happening between us, which is our relational space. And then the fourth one is what's going, what is our context? What's going on around us? And that can be in our environmental surroundings, but it can also be time of day, season, predator, you know, it's all the factors that are right outside that are influencing our little zone of relating. Mm-hmm. Our animals are expecting us when we show up and we're all lit up and aware, they're expecting us to be able to hold awareness of all four of those. Mm-hmm. But instead, we're focused on number two, which is what you pointed out, which is what are you doing? And, and there's an element of it. And this is a human component. And what does that say about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the ego. Mm-hmm. What are you doing right now, horse? And what does that mean about me as a horse person? Mm-hmm. And they're very confused about our main focus being just that. Mm-hmm. So this first component of being able to look at ourselves as a mammal and think about what's going on in my body. What am I doing with my body? What is my, what are my arms doing right now? What's happening in my mind? What kind of thoughts are going on? What's going on in my heart? Do I have some heartache or anger or what's like in my emotional system? Am I hungry? You know, mm-hmm. like, have I forgotten to breathe and move? Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, am I frozen? Am I in kind of a freeze state? And we want to expand that and start to de- go beyond just the mind mm-hmm. and start to think about the body and what our instincts are doing right now. Am I in a little bit of survival mode, even though I don't need to be? Because we're often holding more tension mm-hmm. in our bodies. So we're like, oh, my horse is bracy. Hey, have you been breathing? Mm -hmm. Are you bracy? And what are you bracing against? And so we skip over that one 
And it's not that we can just dive into awareness channel one, the expectation of our animals, if we're showing up is that we're actually going to be able to do all four. Yeah. And so we've got to practice doing that. And by the way, the expectation of each other, and this is what our children want from us and we don't know it, but it's what we want in our friendships and our business Mm -hmm. relationships is exactly the same thing. It's no different for humans. Absolutely. When you're speaking about awareness in the four channels, it just brings up embodied leadership for me. So it's really becoming a leader for your horse from in an embodied state. Um, And it, it is, it's so important to ask those questions and to feel into it versus are you handling your horse in a habitual way versus a responsive way? Um, you know, the, uh, oftentimes I'll see the habit of people that are just new to horses. They will hold their horses anywhere. They're leading them. They're holding their horse really tight because they're so focused on controlling that animal. They're not responding to them and what the horse is doing. They're just thinking, what's my job right now in order to, to keep this horse where it needs to be and myself safe. And it's very habitual. And somebody yeah. told me I need to lead a horse. Um, by physically doing the thing. Uh, so it's interesting when we become more embodied, right? To dominate. Yes, exactly. So we become more embodied. We can begin to work with them from a much more aware conscious level. And it's amazing what happens when they can feel that from us. And all of a sudden you have horses that are, relaxed or letting down in situations that they would normally be very tense in. So yeah. it's very cool. One of, when we do, we do a program called horsemanship and heart. And so this is for horse people that are, that are wanting to learn the elements of natural leadership and mm-hmm. work on that with their horses on the ground and under saddle. And one of the exercises that we do is working on leading Mm-hmm. And horse people roll their eyes and they're so annoyed because of course they know how to lead their horse. And, but we do it with um, like a piece of yarn mm-hmm. or even thread. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can, it is, it's realizing it and it's, it is for the horse because they really appreciate Mm-hmm. Um, the influence versus the control. And there's mm-hmm. such a big difference between trying to overpower and actually building a relationship of influence. But it's also for the person to be able to get a feel of their own influence and to mm-hmm. realize you can have so much more freedom in yourself and less mm-hmm. tension and start to break some of those habits. Cause a lot of us were taught to lead our horses at the halter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like grip. Yeah. You know, and so we're white knuckling it through the relationship and the horse is so confused because they are like, I really want to be with you. Like, yeah. haven't we already figured that out? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Yeah. We're, you know, we're a team. And meanwhile, or we've, we've flooded that relationship so much that they are, um, and we, we, they, we end up flying a kite, mm-hmm. you know, where you have a horse at the end of a lead rope and they're, they're explosive because of our tension. And yeah. we we've built a pattern around that. So when we lead with just a piece of string around that horse's neck and realize that you, that's how sensitive and what we'll do is actually have people do it with each other Mm -hmm. so that you can see, you have that sensitivity. You can feel 
like, and we'll do it blindfolded. So you can realize, you know, where the person's leading you without, with the lightest touch just by presence. Yeah. Just by your own presence and tuning into that. And so when I think when we realize that we have that, Mm -hmm. it helps us to have faith in using that with our animals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that there's like a doubt that we don't have that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But have we been taught to doubt that? We've bypassed it. So we don't have, if you don't have experience using something, mm-hmm. it's likely that you doubt it Yeah, because you don't have any competency around yeah. it. And unless you have, like, you're just a protege and you have these like virtuoso moments, right? <laughs> you don't have any data, you know, we're data driven. We're like, yeah. our brain is yeah. as in our survival brain. It's like, where's the data that tells me I can do this thing. Right. And so we have to have a few experiences, often not as many as we think, but Mm -hmm. it's usually seven. Actually, that's kind of the magic learning number. Mm -hmm. Um, But we usually have to have a handful of experiences before we start to build our self-esteem. That's -hmm. really what it is. It's just building our trust in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when we have that, our horses trust us. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting because... All of my conversations over the last, I want to say month, feel like they're leading to either a conversation around awareness or a conversation around trust and that trust in, in the horse and creating the connection, but it always comes back to, to the trust of the self. So, you know, if you have problems trusting others, whichever, like it's a true reflection of what needs to be worked on personally. And I think the horses are such an amazing teacher of that because they give you immediate feedback. Like, no, you know, I, I used to be a teacher and that was what I struggled with was immediate feedback because I had all these other things that I had, I was responsible for and I had to do. And, you know, I wasn't, I, I couldn't be right there all of the time to give immediate feedback. And that's how you become an ultimate teacher. And we have that in our barns and in our pastures, we have that, that, um, that amazing teacher. And it's interesting because you and I've had this conversation already and remind me, I want to come back to awareness fatigue, but I, I wanted to speak about this first because I think it's really important. So we've spoken about the equine facilitated learning or the equine facilitated education. And really my, my main focus is on people that own their own horses that aren't getting to really benefit from this or the same ways that these people are coming in and they're going to these programs and they're having interactions with horses through equine facilitated learning. They've never even stepped foot next to a horse. They've never placed a hand on a horse before. And there's these experienced people who have had horses in their lives and we haven't been able to connect those same benefits to owning horses to actual horse owners. It's so true. And I think it's, you know, going back to finding people and groups and models Mm -hmm. that are helping us to achieve that, because I think that that's something that it's just been out of our consciousness. It's not, it's been out of our awareness that that is a component that we can have. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's again, back to, if you think about like equestrian activities, a lot of them are competitive based. Mm -hmm. And so they often get very focused on the task and then bypass the relationship. And Mm -hmm. so, and that's a lot of where that learning 
can be. Yeah. And so we skip that. And, you know, and if you look at a lot of the competitive and I don't want to, I'm not judging or um, criticizing in any way, but just the practices I think have to be incredibly efficient because of the stakes that, you know, the high stakes, Mm -hmm. but they're very much about winning and about the thing you're doing. They're not Mm -hmm. about how you're doing it necessarily, unless that's of value to Mm -hmm. the writer trainer team. It's just not. And so it bypasses that. And then it, and then that that's been part of a culture problem in the equestrian Mm -hmm. community, even if you're not a competitor Mm-hmm. It trickled down into just training in general. Absolutely. Everyone's got a competitive, like, but what would it be like in the show ring kind yeah. of mindset? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because if you were to ask a question to any horse owner, they often answer with that knowing they answer with the knowing of what their horse has brought into their life. They love the connection with the horse. Their horse is their best friend. They, they know the answers, but the practice isn't always in place. Yeah. So the awareness around how to truly facilitate that connection and that love and, and that place of personal growth that our horses offer us so it's, so well, when I come back to it, I'll tapped on something there. Okay, that, go for it. Well, <laughs> the place of personal growth, and I've learned this as a therapist, but also as a person in my own healing process mm-hmm. and my own story of awakening. And what we talked about around one of the reasons why we dull and numb our sensitivities is because when we wake them up, It's Mm -hmm. very painful and we don't know how to cope. And so when you try what we're selling here, Nikki, you and me, (laughs) is this idea of personal growth and it scares the crap out of a lot of people. And so if we can focus, it's like we get these little secret benefits of relationship and authentic connection with our horses, but we don't have to like really open up, you know, like we're, and I think that it's not like, it really scares people, mm-hmm. our yeah. own pain, whatever is in our story that we haven't healed mm-hmm. our own trauma mm-hmm. and also having to be inexperienced mm-hmm. at something so basic. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to do relationship. <laughs> Don't right. you know? Right. Like how can you not, you've been in yeah. a relationship since the second you were born. I know, but I think, and I think that, um, that, you know, it's, it really is like, well, why are we bypassing it? We're by every, we're doing things for a reason. Like one Mm -hmm. of my teachers said, people always make sense Mm -hmm. unless they're psychotic, they make sense. (laughs) And so our behaviors make sense. And there's a reason why we're running from that. Yeah. And not everybody has like the courage, desire, inspiration, or rock bottom to decide that they're going to build themselves from the ground up. Yeah. But I think part of our job is to say it's actually, it is scary and painful Mm -hmm. rather than trying to sell it as like fields of wildflowers and unicorns. I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. There's like, there's this, this language that tends to follow this sort of horsemanship or connection-based horsemanship that, you know, and I'm guilty of it as well, where, you know, it's magical and you feel this, this connection and, you know, it's very airy and feely, 
But I try my best to make sure that as I'm having these conversations or as I'm connecting with the people who I work with or my audience, that they, I make sure that I, I communicate the struggle. Yeah. Right. This, it's so real. Yeah. And a lot comes up when you get, when you get deep. And, and I remember the very first time I sat in a pasture, it was, I think it was two years ago, last two years ago, like three days ago, I had a memory come up on my Facebook. It was two or three years ago. And I remember I sat during a guided meditation in a pasture and I like, I just bawled and there was no, like there was no, I didn't feel there was an emotional trigger. I wasn't holding on to trauma that I knew of. Like I wasn't sitting and working through something big in my life at that time, but it was the moment and the horses and the, the guidance through the meditation. Um, and it's amazing what comes up and what you, you absolutely have to work through if you plan on meeting yourself on the other side, right. And truly knowing who you are and and finding that trust and, and that personal connection, um, that's there to be grasped. <laughs> we do a lot of running from it. And I mean, I still find myself doing that. I, I, I struggle with the struggle, you yeah. know, and I think it's important to keep sharing about that mm-hmm. because it's okay to struggle with the struggle and to find people that are willing to be open about that. Mm-hmm. And, and also to share that, that as you struggle with your own struggle, that there is really, there can be relief on the mm-hmm. other side, especially if we're supported. Yeah. And it sounds like you're supporting people in such a lovely I'm way. Trying. It's so exciting. Um, yeah. I have, I had this experience three years ago where the, these, um, these, Thai, these Thai monks, these Buddhist monks, um, they have a a monastery down the street from my ranch. They moved in within like three days of when we did, which was so weird. And then we had this incredible encounter in the hills walking where we, we came across a peacock, like this like free range peacock and the monks and me and my dogs and this peacock ended up sitting on the side of the hill for like two hours talking working our way through, through a language barrier and just kind of falling in love. And then they showed up at my gate the next day and they kept showing up. And I was like, it's really funny because I've been on this spiritual journey for a long time and this personal growth journey, but I hated meditation Mm. and I'm like, wow. So now the monks are showing up and they're asking to, to meditate together and they're saying that preferably they do it out in the horse pasture. So they're literally like, they could not make this easier for me. They're at my house and they're saying like, yes, bring your dogs and that's fine. And you can mm-hmm. sit on the ground and I'm like, oh, I guess we're going to work on meditation. <laughs> and so for the first, I would say four months, cause they came every week. Mm. We've been on an awful pause because of, of COVID, but um, every time I would get to this place in the meditation, I would cry just like your story. Mm-hmm. And I, I just cried through it. And then I would ask them about it after, why do I keep crying? And they would smile and say, because you're happy. And I'm like, I couldn't connect the dots. I couldn't, I'm like, but it's just not making sense to me. And then finally I realized that one of the things that was happening in that like awareness channel one mm-hmm is I was finally connecting to my body 
and bringing my mind into my body. There was like an integration going on. And what they talked about was that when our mind actually is able to go back into the body, it's like it going home. Mm-hmm. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> I, like we're on video, you guys are on audio, but she, <laughs> Beth can probably see the yeah. hair standing up on my yeah. hairs right they now. Call it, they call it the home of the mind. It's at I the center it. of the body. And, they, and I realized that the reason I was crying, and I wonder if it's true for your story as mm-hmm. well in the pasture, is that when we can finally be at home in our body mm-hmm. as a mammal, Mm-hmm. which is totally the case. I was like barefoot in the grass mm-hmm. and my horse pasture with my dogs and these beautiful monks. And mm-hmm. I was, I was actually grieving right. all of the minutes and hours and days and years of not being yeah. there. Yeah. And it took me like four months of like in that space of just, I would like, Oh, here the tears come again. Right. And, and their answer was like, because you're happy. I, it finally started making sense. I mm. was like, and they really do keep it that simple. I'm like, right, I'm happy. And mm-hmm. I have not been happy in my body and known mm-hmm. how to be at peace and just in a settled place and yeah. stay there. And I, that's a thing to grieve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's a place for me to reflect on. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, I love that whole story and it's the second time that I heard it and I love it even more right now. So, okay. Thinking about your story from this morning and that you got to send it. Oh I was, gosh. cause I didn't tell you about encountering this peacock. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I, so when you told your story this morning about the birds, I was thinking, mm. Oh, I, yeah, so they, they stopped you from your, Oh, it was incredible. So this morning before I came on the interview with Beth, I went and my friend Izzy and I decided we were going to go for a walk. And so we decided we'd go to the bird sanctuary. I live less than a two minute drive away from this bird sanctuary. And I could count on one hand how many times I've been there. And every time I go, it's an incredible experience. I don't know why I don't go more often. So we go and we have bird seeded or like sunflower seeds. And we only got probably 200 feet into our walk. And there's a woman sitting on a bench and she, you can tell how peaceful she is. And then we see all of these animals. There's like squirrels and chipmunks and these little chickadees and they're and blue jays and they're flying everywhere so we just sat down and these guys actually walked up these older gentlemen walked up behind us and they were laughing and saying you look like you're meditating are you are you like and started kind of make poking fun a little bit and i said this is absolutely exactly we were just speaking about meditation in the car on our way to this experience and then we sit down and we had squirrels crawling on us. We had these chickadees landing in our hands and we were watching the squirrels fight. And like, it was, it was amazing. So then I look at my, my watch and I was like, Oh my God, I have an interview in 20 minutes. (laughs) Like I need to get out of here. But it was, it was one of those incredible experiences where you're sitting and you're, you're experiencing it with other people Mm -hmm. and you understand the appreciation for just the connection, not necessarily even the connection together, just to nature and these animals and they're interacting with you. And then you look around and you're like, oh, this is such a great shared experience right now. It's, it was pretty amazing. There's all your awareness channels right Right? there. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're in them, it's, you know, and the animals will often light them up. And Mm -hmm. so 
we want to look for opportunities to do that with our animals and around our animals and, and just practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what am I experiencing and what is my friend experiencing or this chipmunk or, you know, and then, wow, what's happening between us and what's going on around us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the human mind is going to attach story to it and beautiful language and all of that, Mm -hmm. but just the awareness of being able to weave together those awareness pieces just to see it. So that's when we start to have these incredible, meaningful experiences because we're noticing things. Oh, absolutely. And how cool would it be to start to interact with our horses with that same, um, like, it was like childlike wonder when we're sitting there and watching these squirrels like crawl on us and the birds land our hands and to, to interact with our horses with that same amount of awe and wonder and, and appreciation like that would that that's a that's I think what that's they want a transformative yeah, experience that is what right they there. want yep. okay so I want to just touch on we spoke about the awareness channels and you did speak about the fact that you know the this is how our horses are, would like us to show up is really being in tune with all four of these awareness channels but you did briefly say now we're not expected to be that aware all of the time you there are times of break now as soon as you said that the, your term awareness fatigue came to my mind because I immediately thought of the exhausted mother who just like, I even have goosebumps just saying that because the, the mother who never feels like they can have a break from having that heightened awareness um, and that sense of trying to keep everyone safe and everything pulled together. Um, But I feel like the missing piece for her would be that the personal awareness. The herd is the missing piece. Okay. Yeah. Enlighten me here. Awareness of realizing I need to rest and I actually have someone. Oh, so it's actually the missing piece is that awareness that other, that it's not all her responsibility. Correct. Okay. Yeah. We've bought into the myth and that's how we've set up our neighborhoods and our schedules and I, I think it's a huge component of our epidemic of postpartum depression and anxiety yeah. because our, what's happened in our, the, the female brain has been transformed by pregnancy and birth. Yeah. It is a, it's a different brain. There's so much data around this. It, we have a yeah. completely different experience of ourselves in the world once that mm-hmm. process has happened. And so we become more vigilant. Our awareness channels are like, ah, but we have nothing to support it. Right. So then we never feel like we we can can come out of that awareness. Yeah. It has to get, Dahan has to get past a lot. And so, and, and I'm having a bit of a moment, Beth, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) What's your moment? Well, just, just thinking about the experience of being a mom and those first few months of being, you're never actually fully, fully, like if you think of rest in general, but literally sleep where yeah. you're never getting into a full sleep because you're always on. Um, my husband's fantastic, but he has never had to get up in the middle of the night with our daughter because I like, it's like a trigger. Like yeah. if, even now she's seven. And if I hear her yeah. whimper, I'm awake and, and I'm there for her. So as a mom, it's very interesting 
to think of the fact that I've never trusted that he will wake up and be able to attend to her. So I've been on for seven years anytime she's present with me. Yes. And even and that is a fatiguing experience for yeah. a man. So I just had a cult. My first, the first baby that I've, you know, I bred yeah. my beloved mare, Sally, who's the matriarch of my herd. And she's my leadership coach and just amazing partner. She's taught me so much about female leadership. Mm. And so she had a baby and it's been this incredible experience and watching her mobilize the herd and their different roles to take care of her baby and how quickly that got up and running blew my mind. And I had so much grief over my own motherhood process and how like I'm having a moment too, even talking about it, especially. Yeah. I like, this is so messed up. Like our Mm -hmm. system of how we do this. And it's not like this in all human culture. Um, but it's, it's like this in Western culture, for the most part. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the details of that, but that's another conversation, but just, I think this idea of not, and it, it is about awareness channel one, not realizing when we have need to rest Mm -hmm. and that we have a judgment about needing to rest Mm -hmm. as being weak versus being just normal part of life, human, and then, and then alerting others that that's happening so that they can have our back, mm-hmm. giving them the honor of supporting us. That's what I saw Sally doing with the herd was like, you get the honor of raising this baby. And they were like, there was some conflict because the rules of the herd changed and the urgency of responsiveness changed right. and her needs changed. So they had to renegotiate the relationships a little bit, but it was so fast. Mm-hmm. Like, the feedback and the way they communicated about it. And then, you know, they took on these roles. They haven't given them up. It's two years later, they're still raising that cult. And he, so he has, he, he weaned himself. Like they, the, I didn't, it did not intervene with any of it. I've just let the herd handle it. Right. And she's pregnant again. So I, that I'm like, let's see where this goes. I'm yeah. just so, and I have, but I have a very multi-generational herd. So I have I have different ages and, and looking at how they step in mm-hmm. to share awareness mm-hmm. throughout the day. I watch them all day, how they, that awareness shifts. Yeah. There's one horse that's, I call her the queen of awareness, Rosie, so gifted at picking up on every little change. So she definitely, that is her leadership gift, but even mm-hmm. Rosie lays down and rests and gives right. it over and throughout the day. And how many horses are in your herd? So I have five right now. I'm usually at like a eight to 10. I like that number here with like the size of my property. So I have a new horse coming. I adopted an untouched Mustang. So I'm going to get her in two weeks to learn with her and from Mm -hmm. her. And then I have a baby on the way. So, but I sometimes will take on friends horses for a period with like Mm -hmm. a baby and a foal or something. I'm in the midst of over the last two days because I'm like doing this in between while I'm, while I'm running and doing chores and then, and then coming back. But I've been listening to Elsa Sinclair's episode with Warwick Schiller on his journey on podcast. And I have heard of Elsa, but I haven't really 
gone into her story until now. And I started like searching for the movie last night and, and diving yeah. into it a little deeper and telling my husband about it and be, getting excited, told one of my students who's like so invested in horses, told her about the movie last night. And uh, I was like, oh, I have to, like, I have to watch this. I absolutely have to watch it. So it's, it's amazing. Um, I, yeah, I watched it. Um, the Taming Wild movie. Yeah. yeah. I watched it like, um, and then there got to be part of like a Q and a with her, which oh, was amazing. really cool. So I was exposed to her work and I've, I've always had the desire to, to do a Mustang mm-hmm. adoption. So I'm really excited to, to go through that process cool. with zero expectations of where, <laughs> where we're headed. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Warwick and Robin are local and have become friends. And Robin actually went through my training program. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. So they you just, and I have spoken about that actually. Yeah. But yes. That's they right. Just that's great. The natural awareness or the natural leadership awareness questions at a clinic like a week ago. It. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. It's really a game changer for horse mm-hmm. people to, mm-hmm. and to realize, um, that there are times we don't have to show up in awareness and we're not mm-hmm. up for it. And that's okay. Like yeah. it's a, but we, we want to change our expectations of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's so, right. and that's okay too. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, if I'm not really able to show up, I'm going to rest for a while until I am, I'm not going to demand anything of others unless right. I'm going to ask them, Hey, would you, would you partner to just lead me. Yeah. And sometimes I do Mm. that with my animals. I'm like, I'm not up for being in a a leadership role. I'm not even up for like partnering in awareness. I'm going to rest. And, and I watch them show up for me, Yeah, but I know we're doing that. Yeah. So you're aware of your awareness. (laughs) awareness. Yeah. And they are too. And I think that's what makes it safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. There's a lot to this conversation. Um, I feel like we should probably leave it there so that yeah. we can both both soak on it, allow the listeners to soak on it. Yes. And it'd be great to carry on the conversation because I feel like this is the direction my work is going in. Every time my husband and I teach a clinic, I like, this is, this is where I can't even help but go with people. Yes. And I'll, I'll sense when somebody's kind of ready for it. And so we're supposed to be teaching obstacle work with horses, yeah. but it's like the perfect opportunity. So yeah. I'll like sense whether somebody's ready and I'll kind of like take them off to the side. Yeah. And my husband's looking over and going, are you on task? Like, are you doing <laughs> what we're supposed to be teaching? Like, is the person you're working with on the same page as us essentially? And I'm like, mm, we got a little way late. <laughs> We're a little out to left field right now. So you're going to have to just bear with us. We'll catch up later. Um, and when you do, it'll be so much better. Because oh, it. it is so much better. Yeah. Whatever the bypass was that you're sensing is needed there. Yeah. Trust that a hundred percent. Yeah. It's so much fun. Oh my God. I love that you're the courage to go there is mm. what we need from each other. Mm-hmm. To urge each other on, like hearing this from you, it gives me courage Awesome to keep going. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, let's end it there because this has been a beautiful conversation and I appreciate you being with us so much. It's been such a special hour. It's been an hour. Look at that right on the money. So thank you again. I can't say thank you enough. And I look forward to speaking to you again. 
Thank you. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening, and we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind.